Hey everyone, it's a new episode of Find Your Film. This is episode 129, and the reason why I'm speaking at a higher pitch, I have no idea why. But Eric Holmes, what do you think of the higher pitch of Greg Trusavazzi, or do you want him to just sound like a normal human being like this? What do you think? I, th- I think the lower register is the the sexier Greg. The so lower for that, or what? Or what was the what was Greg's nickname this week? What did Greg it's, Slick? Uh, Greg, Greg Slick, Slick. <laughs> from uh, that was given to that moniker was given to me. Thank you so much, Peter Beta from Middle Class Film Class for calling me Greg Slick. Here's bad news though, Bruce. Do I deserve the Greg Slick now that I do not have a mustache? I'm not mustachioed Greg Trusavasti like Eric Holmes and you, Bruce. I've, I've taken off the mustache. Can I still be called Greg Slick? I think you can still be called Greg Slick. I mean, you aren't in Anderson Airplane anymore. You're going to have to be in um, Greg Ship. I think that's the name of your your band now, because you're the more slick '80s version of you with the no mustache. Oh, very, very good. No, no I'm going to be growing the mustache back very, very soon. Don't worry. Thank you, Eric Holmes, for staying on brand, growing that mustache. I will. I am about a couple of weeks behind you. Well, actually, uh, you know, knowing the way my mustache grows, I'm probably five weeks behind you. But I'm I'm going to get back to the whole musta- mustachioed Greg soon. But for episode 129, we have a really a lot of great things lined up for this episode. First off, if you guys are watching the video on whatever YouTube channel that we put put this on, Eric Holmes, what is that that Zoom virtual background behind your visage, visage, your face? What is it? What's behind you? Why why are you? Oh, why is there a, a clown? That's a that's Shakes the Clown. Shakes the Clown. Yeah, played oh, by and written and directed by Bobcat Goldthwait. And Bobcat Goldthwait is going to play an important part of this episode. Why? Because uh, he is our director spotlight for this week. Okay. So for our director spotlight, if you guys are listening to this podcast, I'm going to probably, who knows, I might put this Bobcat Goldthwait thing on a hodgepodge. Who knows? But hodgepod, who knows? There's, because there's so many other movies that actually, I was going to say that we all covered. No, Bruce and Eric, yet again, they... They've watched all the movies that were that was assigned to it, and I did not do my job this week. There are, I count, five movies this week. Let me go. Orphan First Kill, three minutes, a lengthening. That is, I was going to make a joke, but it's a serious documentary. The Immaculate Room, Squeal, and Glorious. Bruce Perky, that is five movies on top of the Bobcat films, but the five features that we're covering this week, are you excited for what we have to offer our our find your film and cinematics audience, are you excited about this? So excited, you just can't. T- I'm, I mean, if you were to look below me, which you can't look below me because I may or may not be wearing pants, but I am <laughs> I am jumping around in my seat with excitement. You're jumping around. Well, hopefully, you know, you're. I don't know about the jumping around the seat, Bruce. I'm glad you're uh, better, Eric Holmes. What's going on? The Pizzagate, you and Bruce, what's going on with that? You have something called the Pizzagate Massacre you guys did with our, our buddy Andrew Martin. You want to plug that before we get into our Oh, we haven't, we haven't recorded that yet. Oh, but, you, you uh, haven't recorded yeah. it? Okay. Yeah, we're, uh, we're going to record it, but uh, we're, we're trying to work out some things, but that'll be coming soon, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Or have yeah. we recorded it, and it's just buried in the deep or state and yeah, the dark we- web, I think, you know. <laughs> it's the government, man. They're trying to hold us down. Speaking of holding us down over the weekend, Eric Holmes, you spent your hard-earned money over at the D-Box in theaters to watch a movie called Fall. You suffered, yes. uh, you suffered PTSD actually watching it on your, on your home entertainment system at your domicile. Why in the world did you decide to go to the theaters and put yourself through that rigmarole known as Fall? Uh, because I'm a masochist. And um, I don't know that you guys have the D box or maybe it's called different things, different places. But basically what it is, is you go to a movie theater, you'll watch a movie in the chair, just kind of 
kind of moves a little bit. Sometimes it shakes, you know, sometimes it just kind of wobbles back and forth real subtly, but it does it in reaction to the movie. So I was like, well, I'm going to, I, I hate myself today. So I'm going to go watch fall in the D box. And, uh, <laughs> Oh yeah. I had a bunch of anxiety attacks and it was, uh, it was not fun, but I did it. And, uh, I would recommend anyone try it. <laughs> you no, know, here's it. Oh yeah, boot. Sorry, I was going to say. I think what Eric really needs to do is he needs to get the D box showing of Emily the Criminal, and I think he'd be in his perfect spot. <laughs> <laughs> Emily the Criminal. I did see that over the weekend, and Bruce and Eric both really enjoyed that film. This that movie was. I should have watched it in time for last week's review. What? Yes, I, yes, sir. I, yes. I should mention there was a there was a thing about fall. Um, them switching the language. Or doing something with the lips, or I, I, I don't remember deep fake, exactly. the deep fake stuff. Yeah, 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 the deep fake. Um, mm-hmm. that so another reason I wanted to watch it was to uh, pay attention to the deep fake thing, and yes. uh, I, I failed because I was having uh, too much anxiety. So I was by the time the movie was over, I left and go, oh shit, I was supposed to pay attention to that, but I did not. But um, yeah, did not uh, did not factor in the second time watching. Um, I I just forgot to pay attention. I'm, I'm sure it's there. Didn't even notice. All due respect, again, we have so many cool things to cover this week, but there is, quote, a dark Latvian comedy. Is it a comedy? Is it a drama? Black comedy? What is this movie, Eric Holmes? This is... Can you tell our listeners what they can expect? As far as you know, what who knows? Maybe I'll put this in the in our Find Your Film podcast feed immediately. What did you go, What did you do over the week regarding Squeal? So I uh, interviewed. Um, the writer director of Squeal, Carapetian, and uh, yeah, that was uh, a little bit out of it. I I was, um, but uh, we got uh, this is a very strange movie, and I think I mean I think you guys heard it, so maybe you'd be better off to say other than me. But I think you got some stuff out of them. That if you go to see Squeal, it might kind of uh, help color in what he was going for for the movie. Because it's a very strange movie. Hmm. Bruce, I'm surprised because unless the movie's called Gunda, Eric is sometimes not so good with the pig films, right? I mean, was that Nicolas Cage film from last year that he wasn't so... He liked it enough, but Squeal. Were you excited to see Squeal uh, as well? I mean, this year had... The, the, the bad, well, it has the bad cow and the bad fun cow, but <laughs> I think it also overpowered his pig uh, problems. So maybe he's back on the pig train. Bad, bad, bad. I'm oinking it up. You're oinking it up. So this is a movie called Squeal. We're going to get to it very, very soon. And I'm so excited for all three of us to cover this movie. Uh, obviously, Eric Holmes, let me ask you an, a question, both to, to you guys. Is, do you think it's normal? Anderson and I were talking about this. When you interview a filmmaker or actor for their respective film and you see the movie before, do you think your rating for that film ever gets colored? Do you think that's human nature or do you think you've got to, you've got to be by the book and it's not going to affect your rating whatsoever? What do you guys think about that? Um, well, in my case, I asked to do the interview after I saw the movie. Because yeah. I I love the movie. Spoiler alert! I love the movie. So then I was like, "Hey, uh, is there any interviews?" And they said yes. So I'm like, "Sweet." Okay. How about so, you, Bruce? Yeah. So and, okay. and actually, it, I don't think uh, of all the interviews I've done so far. I don't think because Greg, you've done hundreds, thousands of them, maybe. Um, yeah. So this would probably be a, more of a question for you. But 
um, with me, all the interviews I've done are filmmakers. I've already seen their movie and I already liked them a lot, which mm-hmm. made me want to interview them to begin with. Bruce, do you think your review of a movie will be ever tailored whenever you interview a filmmaker or actor and, and they end up being really nice and really cool and maybe they, they throw in a couple of insights to the film that you never had when you first saw it? you think that's human nature or do you think, no, your rating is set in stone? I, you know, I don't, it's hard to say. I haven't, I'm kind of like Eric. I don't think I've had one where I got the interview after I already knew that I hated the movie or something. So I don't think that's occurred yet. But I, I know the other thing has happened to me because I've seen you interview people that were totally nice, obviously really into it after I already know I didn't like the movie. And I felt like more of an asshole, even though I didn't interview them. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, it seems like it's kind of human nature to some degree. But then again, you can also, I think kind of change the way you ask the questions and be a little more vague and a little more generalized if you didn't like the movie. So as not to, you know, not to be the absolute asshole and say, Oh, I hated your movie. So tell me why I shouldn't, you know, like you're not going to do that. I, I actually, I actually wouldn't mind that. Um, yeah. Because like uh, the, the, you know, there's a, there's a couple of movies there, like the, the director of cow, for example, I hated mm-hmm. cow. Andrew Arnold. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I think it'd be I think it'd be fun to interview them with with them having the knowledge that I hate the movie because I I think that would be a really interesting conversation to have. Yeah, um, I, I, if I they knew it, up front, if they knew up front, I say yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I, I wouldn't spring it on them. That that wouldn't be fair to them. Uh, but like uh, when Groupers came out, um, there was oh, I, I uh, hated a- that Anderson. Movie. Anderson, what's oh, that? I hated that movie. Who who directed that? Oh, Anderson Cowan. He likes drone shots from movies like The Gray Man, so I don't know about that. Groupers, we but uh, go ahead, go ahead. But uh, when Groupers came out, it you know it had its fair share of bad reviews, yeah. and uh, he actually went on mm-hmm. uh, did an interview with someone who gave him a bad review. That was and very I interesting. Thought was, I thought that was so fucking cool. Um, that was definitely and, cool. and I'd love to do something like that. It, if you're if if you're a filmmaker listening to our podcast, and I have I'm not going to speak for Gregor Bruce, but uh, for I'll speak for me. Um, if I give your movie a shit review and you want to come on and talk to me about it, I am, I'm wide open to that because I, I think that's the, I think that's a conversation between the, the, uh, artists and critics are always separated. They, yeah. You know, they always yeah. have this wall between them. I think it, you know, obviously they talk to each other when there's a mutual respect or at least there's respect on, you know, on the critics end. Um, but you never see critics, um, interview artists when they both know what time it is. And I think that'd be really interesting. And it's probably uh, might be a fair conversation to have. I'm surprised there's not more of it, but you know, hasn't happened yet, but I'd like to do it. And so if I hate your movie and you want to come in and uh, call me out on it, I'm down for that. Speaking of what hasn't happened yet, this is very interesting. I've been interviewing filmmakers and actors since the, since the year 1991, that would make it this being 2022 this would make it 31 years of me interviewing people. And you know what's weird? And I, I just can't believe it. Every single time I've intervie- interviewed someone, one-on-one, these one-on-one interviews, actors and film- filmmakers, the movies end up being awesome four-star films. It just always happened. It, all thousands and thousands of movies. Bruce, do you think that statistically that's impossible? It just happened? It's a Twilight Zone episode? What's going on? It's the magic of cinema. Magic. The magic. So that is my my answer. So maybe if you're if listeners, if you are actually trusting Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes a little bit more than me when we do when we do these reviews, 
And you're thinking, does Greg even watch these movies? Does he just say four stars and interview interview people? Maybe start. Maybe who knows? Maybe I'm trolling people. Eric, are you gonna defend me, or do you think uh, there there might be a mystery there? Do you think I actually watch these movies? What do you think? Defended. Thank you. Defended. One this word. Is me what defending you? Defended. Defended. Bruce. <laughs> defended. What do you, you gonna defend me? You gonna put your name behind my name on in front of my name regarding uh, that I watch the movies and uh, I'm All on the I up and up. Is that you are a beautiful troll. You're like one of the best <laughs> trolls I've ever seen underneath the bridge. Thank you so. Oh, that is a that is a hint of something. So you know what? Here's let's start off with our features before we get because you know what I, I'm thinking right now. So as we're doing the the podcast, we're doing a lot of banter. We're going to leave our, the uh, Bobcat Goldthwait uh, later on in the in the episode. Maybe I'll throw that in the hodgepodge. Split it up because I'm really excited to especially for one of these movies. There's a movie called Sleeping Dogs. Spoiler alert that I am going crazy about but let's before we get to the bobcat let's get to some of our featured reviews this week let's start off with one, a movie that i believe eric holmes um greg shuzavasi being a troll said to me he said greg you know i've seen a lot of hitchcock and De palma films but the first when i first when i finally watched orphan first kill it was like watching beauty and the seven wonders of the world unite all for one big beautiful just congeal a congealment of excitement. Eric Holmes, is that true regarding Orphan First Kill? Are you so... Did you love this movie? Did you fall in love with this movie? Do you want to marry Orphan First Kill? What do you think of this movie? And you know what? I'm going to say the plot's in up right now. It's a prequel to Orphan. If you haven't seen Orphan, you're not going to know what these movies are about. Well, basically, it's kind of not a spoiler, but Isabel Furman, she's, she's an adult, but she has dwarfism, and she plays... She, she impersonates a, uh, she, uh, a young girl and the young girl eventually infiltrates herself into different families. And this is a prequel to Orphan. Eric, what did you think of Orphan First Kill? Huh? Well, we're going to segue right into the bad movie. Um, so <laughs> bad, bad isn't good. Bad isn't like, wow. Now, well, see, this is weird because this is kind of, uh, it started off like one of those, uh, conjuring movies, mm-hmm. which I'm not a fan of. In fact, I think, uh, Movies like this, I'd, I'd be more interested, uh, to see Jack Fitzpatrick's take on these because he, he actually legitimately likes these type of movies. I just don't. And, um, so I don't know if this is a good version of this type of movie or a bad version of this type of movie. All I know is that I'm pretty much checked out through most of it. I, I couldn't wait for this movie to end. Why were you um, checked out? What didn't work for you? I mean, when you well, say, first of all, first of all, scary kids don't scare me. I've been around kids. I, I could take them if I want to. I don't because I'm not an abusive asshole. But I, you know, the the idea of uh, idea of a child getting um, one up physically on an adult just it, it, there's just nothing there. Uh, it, like uh, sure they look creepy, but lots of kids look creepy, and you know I don't want to run away from them. As a so result. you don't like the trope that even though the trope is she's an adult in a child's body, it doesn't make sense. It's like still a kid to you. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, also I, I I didn't see the first one. Um, oh. And so it. there also with this one there was a bunch of parts where I it. I don't know if this is. I I got this when I watched one. I, I took my niece to one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies having not seen the previous ones. And I heard like the audience, like, Oh, Oh, you know, and they started like reacting. And then there's certain characters like uh winking at the camera and I'm watching going, I, okay. Apparently something happened there, but I don't know what it is. I got a lot of that in this movie and this is not the movie's fault. This is my fault for not having seen the first one. But again, these are, I, I love horror. 
these are not my type of horror movies. Um, but I feel like I missed out a lot having not seen the first one. Is it your and, fault or the director's fault or the screenwriter's fault for not because you're saying, yeah. I mean, if it's a prequel, shouldn't the movie stand alone? No, the- because if you watch uh, Empire Strikes Back and they make a callback to uh, Star Wars, that's it, it's a sequel. <laughs> That, that's how these things work. So if I if I miss something because I started halfway through, um, you know, there's some movies that can get away with that, like the the Predator movies. They're not really they're they don't really uh, yeah. line up with each other. They're you know independent stories of each other. Um, but you know, when you come in halfway through a franchise and you're lost, well, it, it, maybe you should have started earlier. So baseline, um, you were not even entertained by this movie whatsoever. I, the, the this kills, is not my type of basically. horror movie right off the bat. And this wasn't a movie that I think kind of transcended that. Um, because mm-hmm. I, I, I think there's a, I think there's a version of this type of horror that I, that I don't normally gravitate to that could probably pull it off. This wasn't it. Uh, the whole time this movie was on, I was like, please be done. And please. I kept checking the time. It's like, oh, God. We got an hour left. This is going to be rough. Please be done. Unfortunately, but again, yes, this I've is heard like that a lot of times like, in my life. But yes, sir. This, it, this is this is a movie I totally <laughs> want to see. Jack Fitzpatrick from uh, Let's Crash This Parade on YouTube. Go check that out. Um, this is a movie he needs to be reviewing, and I'd be more interested to hear what he has to say because this is more in his wheelhouse than it is mine. Um, but oh. yeah, this this did not work at all for me. This did not. Okay, fair. That is fair, Bruce. Did this movie work for you? Were you a fan of Orphan? And then did this help you with the prequel? Or were you such a fan of Orphan that this movie soured you? The, this prequel, just this experience was a soured, souring one for you. I was, I liked the first one okay. It wasn't like, it wasn't in my, in my top 10 or anything for that year. But the problem with this one, I think, is a couple, well, there's a couple big problems with the script in this one, in that you're starting with a prequel. First of all, you named it uh, Orphan First Kill. And it doesn't lead to her first kill. She's already killed several people before it even starts. That's weird. So that's yeah. kind of strange. Um, the other big problem is the big reveal of the first movie was that she wasn't a kid. And that was like, oh, my God, she's not a kid. This one, you already know that going in. In fact, they say it right at the beginning of this movie, too. So there's no surprise there. So then uh, there's a lot of tension that automatically doesn't exist in this movie. And I would say... For the first, I don't know, 45, 50 minutes, I I was right with Eric. I was like, I'm not getting much of anything out of this. But then there is a reveal. And I would mention that Julia Stiles in this as the mom uh, actually probably has the most to do in this movie. I think that they really underuse Isabel Furman as the orphan, because we know how good she can be after last year's in the novice. But uh, Julia Stiles, there's there's a turn towards the end of this, and I won't talk about it that I thought this movie was going to really veer into full camp and really go for it. And it was kind of late for that to happen. And I thought it was going to lean into it. And then it kind of leaned out of it pretty quickly again. And I was really disappointed. I think that was a huge missed opportunity because I think if the whole movie kind of would have played into the potential of that campiness that started to pop out and the really overheated like style that started to occur, this could have been a lot of fun and could have could have been a much more knowing, like self-referential meta version of this kind of movie. And it, it didn't end up doing that. And uh, I'm kind of like, I'm not as, as down on it as Eric. I had enough fun with it that it's like very middle of the road, but I definitely don't think it's great. You've had enough fun with it. 
would it, is this actually a baseline recommend at the very on the lowest level for you? Mm, it's like a baseline two and a half. It's like right in the middle. <laughs> it's like if you like this kind of movie, give it a try. If you don't like this kind of movie, don't give it a try. So it's not a. It's barely leans one way or the other based on your preference. Okay, so this movie, Orphan First Kill, Bruce is correct. It is not Esther. Esther's first kill whatsoever. She starts off in a sort of a, a psychiatric hospital or something over in Estonia. So there's a whole 15 minutes which establishes her character in the hospital. There's actually someone, there's a, another character who actually enters the film and you're thinking it's going to be a story set in this Estonian hospital, but it, it turns into something else. Eventually we go from Estonia to, I, I believe, in Connecticut where the family led by the matriarch, Julia Stiles, she's in there. The the patriarch is played by Rosef Sutherland and also the son, their son is a spoiled kid who's a fencer. <laughs> you know, in in movies, let's actually have a fence, the, the child of a family who's, who's a fencer. Let, let, let's have those characters be nice ones. Yeah, I would love to see a fencer who is an arrogant in one of these films, but it's interesting. There are, there is a big reveal in this movie and I really enjoyed that. But it's getting mixed reviews as we speak. But Orphan First Kill for me, I was a huge fan of the first one because it just went there and it was out there. And I love the reveal. I love the reveal here as well. This movie, I think, will play well for a certain orphan fan like me who just loves this entire franchise. I just had a complete ball in this movie. This movie is 99 minutes. Not one minute was wasted for me. Rated R. Hey, Listeners, I didn't in- interview anyone. I didn't interview director William <laughs> Brett Bell, writer David Coggeshall, Isabel Furman. I, I I think I was rejected for an interview for The Novice. So I have no stake. I have no stake in the bleeping game. Rosef Sutherland and Julia Stiles. You know, I think I interviewed Julia Stiles way back in the day for Save the Last Dance for me or Save the Last Dance, whatever that movie's called. So no stake in the game for me regarding interviews. I just love this movie. And here's the thing. August 19th, digital Streaming on Paramount Plus in theaters. If you have Paramount Plus, definitely watch it and hedge your bet. Okay, hopefully you have the Paramount Plus streaming service. I believe it's still worth it on in theaters and, and on digital. If you really like the Orphan series, this did not disappoint me. I can understand how a lot of people will. It's just, a, it's just, it was right my right up my alley. Four and a half stars for Orphan First Kill. Two and a half stars for Bruce Perky. I know that's a big reveal this week. Eric Holmes, your rating for Orphan First Kill. I will give this one star for Julia Stiles alone because I, I am a fan of Julia Stiles. And so okay. uh, she saved it for me. Wow. Four and a half. From, I, I see a disparity. I, I see a, a fly on the windscreen for this one. This is four and a half for me. Wait, did I, did we watch the first movie or did I watch this movie? Who knows? Is the troll, does the trolling continue? No, I did see this movie. I really enjoyed it. Two and a half stars for Bruce. One star for Eric. Four and a half stars for me. Was this so, okay. A- would, yes, would this count as a one-star banger? No. Like, I didn't no, like it. There's no. No, such th- there's no such thing as a one-star banger. It is could it? have been a three-star banger, but it didn't go for it enough. Yeah. That's the problem. I, I, again, like the, this is a movie I, w- I want to hear, like, in other people that are fans of these type of movies, I want to hear what their opinions on this. I, I bet it. you they'll this be moderately movie. okay on it. I bet you they'll be moderately positive. Yeah. Yeah, so, but I, yeah, I don't I, think yeah, most of them will be head over heels over it. So. I, I would They're say like anyone, anyone uh, taking my one star into account, take that with a grain of salt. Because I'm again, I'm not, I'm not the audience for this type of horror movie. What's up, listeners? Force Five is a show about movie-related top five lists, hosted by me, Blacklist screenwriter and ex-video store cinephile Jason Kleberg. I have a new guest on each week, and the guest gets to pick the topic. 
Past guests have included film directors, screenwriters, actors, critics, comedians, rappers, artists, and other podcasters. Love or hate our picks, you're guaranteed to walk away thinking, what would be on my list? Search Force 5 wherever you get your pods or head to force5podcast.com. All right, speaking of the audience, will there be an audience for a movie called The Immaculate Room? It stars Emil Hirsch and Kate Bosworth, and it is an interesting movie. It was actually, I think, shot several years ago before COVID hit, but now it's finally coming out. And it's interesting. What is it? It's a um, Bruce, what is it? There are two people. They're stuck in a room. They can win a lot of money if they, they stay in the room for a while and all that stuff. Can you can you lead us off with uh, what this immaculate room is about? Oh yeah, you didn't you didn't see this one, did you? No, I didn't, I didn't check this one out. <laughs> so yeah, it starts out and they they walk into the room and they're like, woohoo, we're here, we're gonna like we're gonna have our chance to win our I forget what it's gonna be. Oh, five million dollars if they stay in there for fifty days, and it's just a pretty much a plain white room kind of a big one and it's got a couple of very sparse like fixtures like a, a sparse bed and i think maybe like a bench kind of a thing and there's like a red if i remember it's a red button on the wall and if they hit that button it means they're tapping out and if they tap out like if one of them taps out it the other person remains the other person only gets i think a million so there's a lot of incentive for both to stay and um that's kind of the basic setup and then you they're kind of on the rocks as far as a couple goes, but this is going to be the thing, I guess, that kind of, you know, gets them, turns them around. And uh, there's not much else. Great premise. Sounds like a really good premise. How can you fail on this? I mean, it's just needs good dialogue and just good pacing, I think. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, it's to me, I kept getting a feeling this is kind of like if you took Squid Game and you made it really boring um it's like whoa like let's make the let's make the characters uninteresting let's make the setting as uninteresting as possible and let's not have much of anything happen the whole time they're there and that's kind of how it felt to me and uh, you okay this is orphan first kill to me (laughs) because the way eric felt about orphan first kill is the way i felt about this movie i i kept waiting and waiting i mean i was like something please god something happens and and there's a point and once again this isn't really spoilers or anything they can spend money while they're in there some of their winning money to get like a a gift like a treat treat, that's right a treat uh and they don't know what the treat will be so they do that at one point, or maybe a couple times in here, and they get it. And I'm just like, eh, really? That's what we're going to get? Okay, whatever. Um, one of the things that comes get that appears at one point, I'm not going to say what it is. I'm not going to say what it is. There's something that appears at one point, and I immediately thought of how to get around having that thing be in there. And it was, yeah, this, this movie aggravated me in just about every way possible. I, I did not like this movie at all. Whoa. Okay. Eric Holmes, Saving Grace. Are, is there something to be gleaned from this movie to actually for people to watch? Or are you on Bruce's boat right now? Regardless yes. Um, I, I disagree that it's boring. Um, it's certainly... Uh, uh, okay, so the characters go in this room and Emil Hirsch, like within the second day, he's ready to press a button so he can let a, a bug out. It's like, dude... Are you are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> it's like day two and already he's acting like a fucking child. And then the, you got to do uh, how many days with this guy? And so the two characters are, well, 
Emil Hirsch's character is a man child. He's he's just um you know, so they go they go in as a couple and as they as they stay in the macula room, as time goes on, uh it, it's clear that they don't need to be together. And I think this is kind of the point of the movie. It seems to be uh, you know, uh kind of a commentary on toxic relationships. At least that's what I got from it. Which I think the movie makes the point really well. At least I that's what I picked up on it. The problem with it is, is um, you know what sucks about toxic relationships? Watching toxic relationships. <laughs> so this this is uh, this is kind of the inherent flaw in the movie. Um, it it I I think what it was going for it nailed. Unfortunately, this is really tough. This is going to be really tough to watch. I, dude, I wanted to reach through the screen and choke the shit out of Emil Hirsch's character like three hundred times watching this movie. Go, you dumb motherfucker, and just like smack some sense into him. But, and I'm not going to give this away. The last line of the movie was on par with the last line of the book. I am legend. It, it just it that last line of the movie just tied everything together. I'm like, this is so fucking good. Um, wow. But, To Bruce's point, he's not wrong about a lot of stuff he said. It it feels like you're recommending the movie, though, Eric. I I would, with the caveat of these characters are really going to drive you up a wall. Um, The movie totally makes its point, but again, that point you have to you have to spend an hour and a half, two hours with two of the most insufferable characters in any movie I've ever seen. Okay. But you can't, you can't make that point without having those characters. So it's kind of, it, it's a really weird. Um, Maybe it's not the point, but the presentation of the point, that's the problem. No, you know? no. I, I I think the point is well made. Cause you can't, you can't have, you can't make the point with this movie, having characters that don't just, you just want to choke the shit out of the whole True. point is they're, they're a couple that should not be together. They need to be separated and they're locked in this immaculate room. And we're and, locked in there with them too. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that, and, and again, I've, I've seen couples like this and I've uh, lived with uh, one half of the couple where the other half comes over. So I've lived with that. Oh gosh. <laughs> and wow. so, yeah, the, you know, this was in my younger days, but uh, yeah, the, I, I think this movie really nails what it's going for, but you know the 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 thing is is that something you want to watch? I don't know, but the, right. you know, it, it's kind of like if a movie is like a oh Serbian film, perfect example. Serbian Dakra? film Dakra? nails the point it's going for, oh. but do you want to watch a movie about newborn porn? I don't think I do. Oh, oh got it. Okay, <laughs> this Fair. is okay. not about newborn porn, by the way. But the 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 you know the the flaw of the movie is it's what it's about. Do you want to sit through that? I think a lot of people might not, but uh, I think you might find it interesting at least, maybe. Okay, so that is The Immaculate Room starring Emile Hirsch and Kate Bosworth. It is directed by Makunda Michael Dewell. He's the director behind the recent movie Collide and Vehicle 19. All, yeah, I just recently interviewed him a couple of weeks ago for Collide, and I just haven't gotten around to watching The Immaculate Room. Really interesting interview. Bruce, you're rating on The Immaculate Room. Uh, one star. One star from Bruce Perky. Eric Holmes, your rating. I, hmm, 
Execution, five stars. Whether I want to watch it again, one star. So I'll just go right down the middle and say three stars. Three stars from Eric Holmes. Okay. So that is The Immaculate Room in theaters and on demand Friday, August. What is this? August 22nd, I believe. Is that August 22nd? Is this Friday, August 22nd? No, August 19th. Friday, August 19th. My fault. Okay, so that is a couple movies down. Hey there, classmates. Tune in to Middle Class Film Class every Monday and Wednesday for weekly movie news, streaming picks, and one deep dive review. The Batman trailer. There was a teaser. There was a trailer. Trailer one, trailer two. Final trailer? I don't know if it's the same one. How many trailers do we need exactly? Leave an email or a voicemail to join in the discussion. Bullshit artist! Uh, yeah, buddy. All right. Awesome. You're going full Danzig. That's right, I am. My my transmute has no power over me. <laughs> there is a movie. Here's another movie that I didn't see. Oh my goodness! <laughs> this drops on Shutter August 18th. It's a movie called Glorious. I, this is one of these movies that has with a with a title called Glorious. There's if it's not good, there could be a lot of really mean things to say about how unglorious or not glorious this movie is. I think it's set in one like a bathroom stall, Eric. What's how does this movie go? What's the plot line? Can you tell our listeners a little bit about this glorious film on Shudder? Um, well, Bruce, should how much of this should I talk about? Because I think a lot of I, I think a lot of this is kind of discovery, but at the same time, it's I think hard the, to... the basic situation could be discussed. Like, who is in the restroom? I think the basic concept of what's in the okay. restroom. But maybe not what it's doing. Can okay. I try this? Exactly. Can I do this? Let me try this, okay? Right. What's okay. that? Okay, he's... After a bad breakup, Wes, played by Ryan Quanton, he ends up at a remote rest stop miles away from civilization. His situation worsens after he finds himself locked inside the bathroom with a mysterious figure speaking to him from an adjacent stall that mysterious figure is played by jk simmons so a lot of it is set in the bathroom stall so that's what this official plot synopsis is eric holmes i interrupt there you go and then watch the movie (laughs) that's enough said (laughs) uh this is uh, actually so bruce saw this movie first and he sold it to me as a comedy i did not get comedy out of it there's like a couple jokes that don't land for me um but this did not roll as a comedy at all um bruce obviously thinks differently <laughs> yeah but, i laughed a lot this, this movie, movie. <laughs> but wrong this side movie, wrong side <laughs> yeah but but this movie was really great i i loved where it went the uh jk simmons it, it, it's so it's basically the guy in one stall and jk simmons in the another stall you never see jk simmons all you see is this glory hole in the taped up you know taped up glory hole in the uh bathroom stall and it's just uh, it's just a uh, like a two hander, um, which they had top five two handers in Force Five podcasts this week. So go check that out. Maybe this would have been in the- <laughs> which <laughs> I messaged him. I said this would be on your list now. I think yeah, but uh, it, it's basically him and J.K. Simmons talking and getting kind of uh, it, it becomes like a psychological thing, and it goes places that I won't get into. But it's it's really good movie and starts off pretty interesting and just gets more so as it goes on and and really at its heart it's just two people talking to each other but the stuff they talk about is is uh really deep and insightful and you know they they throw in a to to bruce's point they do throw in a couple jokes i think the jokes are kind of misplaced in this because i do like uh the 
you know, the, the, uh, would like smoking too much weed. Hey man, was life mean, man? Like the, the conversations they have, I really got into. So when they had the weird kind of, uh, you know, low hanging fruit jokes that I would do, it kind of threw it off, um, for me, but the, I mean, the movie was so good that I didn't even, I just let that roll off. Eric, the movie runs 80 minutes. Did it go by fast for you? Was it, is there too much bloat or did it, did it roll for you? Okay. This is going to sound bad. It felt longer, but in a good way. Um, and, and we'll talk more about that when we get into uh squeal. Cause it was kind of the same thing. It felt epic to me. Um, two people, you know, you're thinking two people talking in the bathroom. How does that feel epic? I'll just watch it and you'll figure it out. Uh, but yeah, this is, this is really high recommend. Okay, Eric said, Bruce, that it felt epic. Was this movie epic to you? Because you like the humor a little bit, the misplaced humor, which Eric was saying a little bit more than he did. You, I mean, I, so that, that might be a, a little bit of a, a slight disagreement, but I think you guys are kind of on the same train as both Both you guys really enjoyed it. Am I correct on that regarding this movie? Yes, yes. And I would agree that it is epic. This is like definitely the most epic restroom two-hander <laughs> <laughs> that's ever existed. Uh, <laughs> I was going to call this my uh, dinner with but I can't say what the thing would have been. So I'm not going to reveal that. Uh, <laughs> this is, um, this is a great movie. This is really, I, I think for genre fans, especially, but even for non-genre fans, this is really how you use a limited setting uh, and a genre story to the most effect. I mean, they use the setting in about every way you could use the setting. And then some ways you might not have even suspected, um, there's a little backstory stuff in this that slowly gets revealed as the movie goes along, which paid off in a way that I did not see coming. And I loved the way that paid off as well. I'm not sure what Eric thought of it, but the payoff as a character payoff, that's really excellent, but there's also some just epic payoffs that are really excellent. This, this is one of those movies where it's like, they better do this and then they do it and they better, they better do this. Or I'm going to be upset if they don't do this. And they do certain things in this movie that you hope they'll do. Um, but like he said, as at its core, it's essentially a dialogue between two characters. And um, that it's kind of funny because we just talked about the Immaculate Room, which is another thing, which is basically a dialogue between two people in a situation. Whereas I found this immensely more interesting to my brain, immensely more creative. This movie is so much more creative. This movie is more visual. This movie has moments that are... Um, like I thought were funny, but obviously you don't have to have that. There's a moment where um, mist is falling upon a character and there's music happening that I thought was absolutely <laughs> enthralling. I, I couldn't believe that moment. And I you know, you're like, really praising this movie, right? Yeah. You're, you're yeah. mentioning and that epic. moment happened. I, I was like, Oh my God, I love that so much. Um, wow. This is, this is some, uh, for people who have shuttered. This is a, a no brainer. You got to watch this movie. You're going to like it. Am I missing out really big? Yeah. On this? Yeah, yeah. You are. I, I also mm-hmm. want to point out, um, like the immaculate room, uh, one of the characters, I was really annoyed with how dense they were, um, without giving anything away. There's, they, there's parts where it's like, dude, come on. <laughs> let's, yeah. uh, let's, let's get your shit together. Uh, but I, I, I won't go any, it, it, it wasn't, uh, also, unlike the Immaculate Room, this wasn't uh, two insufferable characters. It was one insufferable character and another yep. uh, in uh, J.K. Simmons. Um, but that that went away pretty quick. And yeah, and also I think the I think the uh, comedy thing's not entirely fair, just because Bruce is like, oh, this 
<laughs> like you sold it as a comedy. So when I'm watching it, I'm waiting for I the know, comedy and it never came. So <laughs> that I blame Bruce for that. But Yeah, uh, I'll take that. So I guess <laughs> but, uh, the, the dumb question is when something is set in a bathroom stall and then the, the stall next to you and it's sort of a what some kind of voice, even even if it's J.K. Simmons, mm-hmm. yeah, obviously you guys have mentioned this in the review. What stopped me from watching this other than obviously our schedules and everything, but I was thinking, how could you make it entertaining for eighty minutes within this? Uh, two- <laughs> you gotta watch it. Just watch. Yeah, it. this You'll goes. This goes <laughs> lots of places. Way me, more than you. Me and Bruce are not. We're, we haven't even touched on like ninety percent of what this movie is. Really? We haven't touched upon the basic character nature of yeah. J.K. Simmons. Okay, so. there's this movie is directed by director, podcaster, and academic Rebecca McKendry, and she is the co-writer of the upcoming Bring It On, Cheer or Die. How does this? Are you guys <laughs> cool? Yeah, are you guys excited to see? Is I always ask this: like, is this one of these filmmakers that you just throw a whole bunch of money with a good story, and you can? This is kind of because you guys are praising this. Uh, do you think she has a really bright future if if it finds she finds a, that right outlet with a studio, or do you think you're you're going to be so excited if she c- continues on this lane she's on right now? I honestly don't think she needs that much money. Yeah, <laughs> it's really good. And this I can is say like no mo- I, I can say no more, but I, I, yeah, she, this, she clearly doesn't need that much money. This feels to me like almost like young Sam Raimi with limited budget. Yeah. And what, Young exactly. Sam Raimi was able to pull off with a limited budget in a pretty, pretty much one setting. Yeah, just give her, let her make whatever ideas she has, but don't give her a hundred million dollars. Just give her ten give her million dollars, and she'll make a movie that looks like a hundred million. There you go. <laughs> okay, so that is glorious. I guess this is one of these movies that should have probably been in theaters as well. But the good news is it's streaming on Shutter, debuts on Shutter, premieres on Shutter. On August 18th. First off, Eric Holmes, what is your rating on Glorious? Um, so the, the problems I have with it probably won't be problems when I watch this again um, for the 300th time because I will watch this a bunch more times. Um, I'll, I'll give it like a four and a half now, but the, that that half star is going to come back, I'm, I'm sure. Okay, cool. Four and a half stars from Eric Holmes. Bruce, your rating on Glorious? Uh, exactly the same. Four and a half, and probably exactly the same. It'll probably go up. <laughs> I, I feel like this is one of those movies that's going to become, um, I mean, say cult favorite. I think it'll just become a genre favorite for a lot of people. Yeah. Okay. So that's, I'm so excited to actually, you know, check. I'm probably going to check this movie out immediately. It's so. 80 minutes long. Greg, you can do oh, this. Okay, don't, don't don't talk don't talk down to me, Bruce, with that kind of <laughs> Greg slick. We, we, you can do we, this. We've seen like twenty movies this week with a total runtime of fifteen hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true, Eric. Okay, speaking of which, running at sixty nine minutes. Let's not make too many jokes about three minutes of lengthening. The perfect, the perfect <laughs> running time. The, the perfect running time. It's written and directed by Bianca Stigter. God. And it's co-produced by Steve McQueen, narrated by Helena Bonham Carter. Hey, look, here's a movie I saw this week. Three <laughs> minutes, a lengthening in L.A. and New York theaters, August 19th. And here it is. It's three minutes of footage shot by this guy named David Kurtz back in 1938. He was on, I believe, a trip with his family. And, you know, it's three minutes of just he captures this town. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Nashilk? N-A-S-E-R. L S K Poland. So this small town, three minutes, 
And this is right in 1938, right before the Holocaust. And we come to find out that a lot of these inhabitants, these people in this three minute plus video are, are gone because of what happened with World War II and the Holocaust. And it, the rest of this movie, the 69 minute documentary focuses on the lives some of the lives who were actually the people identified in this video. The, the documentary starts with the actual short, that three-minute uh, se- section of images, and then it goes into the investigation behind the people and its context and the town, et cetera, et cetera. I, wow. Eric was mentioning 80 minutes for Glorious. It felt like a full meal to him. This movie at 69 minutes, it really did feel like a full meal of a documentary, especially the fact that it's, Three minutes, but it lengthens the entire story. You get to see all of the intricacies and the history behind this three-minute uh, footage by this guy, David Kurtz. Again, written and directed by Bianca Stigter. Let's start off with you, Bruce. Your thoughts on three minutes of lengthening? Um, I thought this was good. Uh, it didn't go to great, great status on my in my book, mostly because... We are watching that footage like the entire time. And I think that the footage is important and showing pieces of it as we're uncovering what's going on. But this is one situation where I wouldn't have minded seeing the talking heads. I wouldn't have minded seeing the people. And I think for what what I liked best about this movie is what I like about other movies similar to this, like Shoah. You know, these movies where they're basically the people or the families of people – telling about the events of what happened and letting those events have this great impact on us. And there are a few moments in this where they do that and it's really effective. There's especially a a sequence where they talk about everyone getting rounded up in the town and what happens based on that event. And that whole entire thing is very harrowing and very um, impactful that. And when we, every time you talk, you know, you show a person and then you hear more about that person's life or what they knew about that person or what little bit they remembered. Just to remember that person next actually never, you know, made it the next two years they were gone. So all of that stuff is highly impactful, but I think the presentation for me got a little bit much as far as just seeing the footage over and over and over and over and over again. It didn't, it, I don't think it had the effect it was quite supposed to have on me, but I did like it. I think it was good, but it didn't blow me away. I guess I'll put it that way. Eric Holmes, your thoughts? On three minutes, a lengthening. Uh, my thoughts are I could not find a link to this, so I did not see it this week. Let me ask you a question. If you did see it, what would your rating be? <laughs> <laughs> 69 minutes. 69 minutes. Okay. <laughs> lengthening. Okay. okay. <laughs> that is very interesting. Bruce, I will politely disagree with you. I understand where you're coming from. I think a lot of people will feel that will feel that way regarding three minutes of lengthening. But the fact, like the waves to the shore, the fact that we are it, I, obviously you, we all know that's the effect that we have to keep watching the short or the the collection of images through the 69 minutes. Some people may find it wearying. I could not get enough of it. Just all of the little, you know, there are moments where you're saying, okay, how many times do I have to see this storefront and the unveiling of the name is, et cetera, et cetera. Or this person, we, I've seen this image, um, t- you know, 10 minutes ago and it's coming by again. So that might be a bone of contention for some people for three minutes and lengthening. But for me, I, um, yeah, I was fine with it and I was affected by it. And I think this is definitely worth watching as a documentary. And for me, I would give this movie, Four and a half out of five stars. What about you, Bruce? 
I would probably go three and a half. I would definitely recommend it. And I would say this is like, you know how we talk about some movies will impact you more. And this is one of those movies I think that'll impact you more, almost the less you know about it. Like I would say the younger you are, the less you are like knowledgeable about kind of the events, especially, you know, the, if you've never seen something like Shoah, you've never heard about the, um, the ghetto in Warsaw or any of that stuff, like that idea, this will probably impact you greater. I really like this for three minutes lengthening because it's like a puzzle. It's like one puzzle piece yeah. and you're focused on that piece for about 69 minutes. And I found that specificity to be very intriguing. And again, to your point, Bruce, um, it'll, it'll have different reactions, but I think at the baseline, I think most people will recommend this documentary comes out. Oh yeah, weekend. for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's good either way. Uh, one thing I like, perfect example. I know we're going to get on, off on a thing here, but like they talk about how the square they keep showing in the, in the movie footage has changed. I would love to have seen how it looks now. Cause I think that kind of context is really interesting to see. Like there are little remnants still there. Cause they talk about these things, but they don't show it to us. So little stuff like that. I would have loved to have seen. You wanted, uh, you wanted the documentary to open up a little bit more. A little bit. Yeah. Being, it was a, a more of a portraiture, right? To, yeah. to you. Okay. Fair, fair. Okay. So anyways, that is three minutes of lengthening. Bruce gives it three and a half stars. I give it four and a half stars. It is in LA. And New York theaters on August 19th, when it, hopefully down the road it'll come out to more theaters. And one of these days, Eric will find that link in the spam and maybe he'll watch it because it's only 69 minutes. We'll see. And we'll it, see. It wasn't in my spam. It wasn't anywhere. It is so I, like, weird. I did everywhere. And I, maybe they sent it to uh, handsline at gmail.com. Don't you do that because that, I, that's probably what happened, Eric. You know, <laughs> listeners, what happens is sometimes I, <laughs> with the publicist, I actually put, Instead of ham slime, I usually put ham, <laughs> hand slime or hand slime, and that's he never gets some of these links. You probably but if, you, if you're listening and you do want to get a hold of me, you can do so at ham slime at gmail.com, H A Amazon Mary slime at gmail.com. And if that. you. And if you want to go where about a thousand screener links have gone to die, you can go to handsline.com. Actually, I've got, I've got the owner of Handsline on the radio here. <laughs> Eric, so cool. Eric Gnomes. It's a gnome version of you. I can't believe it. This is amazing. <laughs> okay, so that is three minutes of length today. My bad on that, Eric Holmes. Now, for our final featured review, is this movie called Squeal. Yeah, this is a movie that is absolutely weird. But it makes sense with regarding what it has to say. We definitely listened to Eric's interview with what is his name? Aik uh, Karpetian, I believe. Aik Karpetian. Aik Karpetian. Listen to that interview. Maybe hopefully that will shed light regarding the whole um, the premise of Squeal. But we all know the the main character is played by this guy named Kevin Jansen. He's uh, the actor Kevin Jansen. He is just. Um, Looking for his father, and he goes to. I'm assuming it's Latvia, guys. Maybe he's looking for somewhere in the remote countryside. He's looking for his father who's gone missing. And then towards the end, like maybe towards dusk, he happens upon this young, beautiful woman, and she seems to be stranded or helpless or whatnot, maybe. And he's probably initially attracted to her, and he he offers her a ride back to her place. So what happens is she she puts him. Uh, she he gets to see her place. It's a it's a nice little uh, cabin area. Maybe there's some pigs around there. It might be a little small farm out in the middle of nowhere. I think she gives him either a vodka or something, some kind of drink. But yeah. ultimately what happens is he's, I, I think, if I recall, he's not either knocked unconscious or 
and he comes once he comes to he realizes he's chained he's naked and he is in the middle of a sort of um on the outdoors surrounded by pigs he's off to a remote location and the pigs are are near him ultimately what happens with squeal obviously that is a no- noise that the uh, pigs make and maybe who knows it might be the noise our protagonist, protagonist makes as well throughout the throughout this really interesting movie he is eventually tasked with maybe even taking care of the pigs. Who knows? Maybe he becomes one of their domesticated animals. There's a lot of things going on in this movie. Eric, let's unpack this. Your thoughts on Squeal, this Latvian black comedy. Um, so I I love this movie. This movie is hard to review because I think a lot of the themes to really get into it, you need to talk a lot of spoilers um, because that's, I think, where a lot of it comes to a head. And after watching this, I've also watched, uh, went back and watched a couple of his other movies, um, Firstborn and The Man in the Orange Jacket. And both movies are, uh, all his movies are exact, exactly the same, where he takes uh, themes and he goes in them and takes them and really um, looks at his themes in ways that I think a lot of uh, filmmakers and just storytellers in general might not. Uh, he's just got a really... Um, different outlook on these kind of things. Uh, this movie is basically about freedom. Um, and that's not entirely, at least according to uh, the movie, freedom is not necessarily a good thing, but it's not a bad thing. It's just kind of what it is. Um, the, you know, it shows him losing his freedom, being tied up. Uh, he has his freedom taken from him. Uh, it opens up with the pig running away. And it's got the uh, it's got the voiceover of the guy saying, you know, the the pig uh, knowing full well a wolf might kill him, eat him in the woods. He would rather have that happen than uh, spend another spend another minute, uh, you know, in the comforts of being a slave. Yeah, essentially. yeah, yeah slaved in a in a farm, even though the pig was being well taken care of there. Um, and that that's kind of the thing, like. Uh, and with the with the interview uh with they you know we talked about that and uh he was kind of like uh you know you have a family you know you're giving up freedoms for that you know you're taking on a burden that's not a bad thing maybe that's what you want um but you know that's kind of that's kind of the thing this movie at, at least what I'm picking up on it um that it it just takes a takes a a look at a certain Thing that we think that I think we all feel that we know a lot about and have a, a certain perspective on. And it says, well, look at it from this way. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's another way to look at it too. And that's what I think is really interesting about this. And then he does that with firstborn and uh, the man, the orange, orange jacket, not with freedom, but like he, he takes those, uh, he takes those themes in those movies as well and kind of gives you a different perspective that you may not have thought of before going into the movie. Eric, is this movie accessible to audiences? Look, here's the thing. It, it, it hits LA. I'll leave that um, to you guys. <laughs> oh, no, really? No, no. Here, I'm going to ask you a pointed question, though. It hits theaters, certain theaters yeah. on Friday. But uh, okay, so also, but it will be available on VOD platforms. So my question to you, is it worth a rental on VOD or is it a specified audience who will really enjoy this film like you? Are you that specified I, audience? I think... Uh, well, first of all, this movie's gorgeous. Um, I, a lot of, and maybe it's the setting, but a lot of it, I was thinking of uh, Juan Diego Escobar Alzate, 
Um, the the look of it, not it didn't have the real technicolor look that Lose a Flower of Evil did, but it had like a it had some kind of uh, notes of his kind of uh, filmmaking style uh, that I that I really enjoyed. This thing would have been awesome to, for me to watch in the theater. I'm kind of sad that I didn't, and it's not playing here. So um, as far as I can tell, I'm not going to be able to. But um, yeah, I, I would say give it a shot. Uh, might be if you're following this movie as a narrative, you're probably going to be lost because this movie's a little more esoteric than that. This movie's this is a movie that you go straight in, uh, straight up metaphor. Like the the it, if you're watching this as a straight narrative, you're probably going to be lost because watching it as that doesn't really work. This is more of a more of a uh, you know yeah a, a, a metaphor type picture. Uh, right. I mean, it, it looks and sounds like a fairy tale. Uh, the music in it kind of leads you to believe that the way it looks. Um, if you've seen Lose a Flower of Evil, you know that movie looks kind of like a a fairy tale as well. Um, so it kind of leans itself to that. And I think which helps um, maybe the, the fairy tale nature is like, you don't watch the three little pigs. You know what this movie's like? Think of uh, Hansel and Gretel, like the, the, uh, the children's book you read. And it's like, Oh, this is kids. They find a candy house and the witch and they run away from the witch. But then you read the Grimm's fairy tale version of it. And it's like, Oh shit. I could see reading uh, Squeal or Samuel's Travels, uh, another name this is called, uh, kind of like uh, uh, Heart Eight and Sydney. It's one of those kind of things. Um, but uh, you read uh, Samuel's Travels, and it's a little kid's movie about a or a kid's uh, storybook about a little pig that ran away, and oh, they caught the pig and brought it back, and he was loved, and blah, 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 this and that. And it's, oh, isn't it a happy children's story? But then you get the Grimm's fairy tale version, which is what this is. And it's like, oh, geez, this is going way places uh, that the children's story I, I was not prepared for. Okay. So, well, so there's that too. I fucking love this movie. Go on. Eric, I fucking love this movie. And maybe, Bruce, I want you to speak to this. I found this movie to be, I agree with Eric. I love, 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 love this movie. But I found this to be, maybe I'm weird on this. I found this to be absolutely accessible. It's a visceral tale, has its share of violence and nerve wracking moments. And there's some, like Eric said, this movie is gorgeous. There, I'm looking at some of the pictures. There are some visual composition moments that really stand out for me. I think it's a visual tale and I, it works, but do you feel it's also maybe might be a, a certain kind of lane? Is it, am I going a little bit overboard regarding that by saying this is accessible to people? No, I think you're right. I think that this will be in a certain kind of lane. I think that if you're into kind of that more art house, more a little bit weirdo cinema, I think you'll be more easily tuned into this movie. I think that the Grimm's fairy tale comparison is absolutely on point. I think that's totally the way to look at this movie to understand it. The the fact that you're not in a really realistic universe exactly, but all of the things that are happening, you understand. So it's not like super weird. It's not like Holy Mountain weird, but... It's like, well, perfect example, I, I'd mentioned, I think, to Eric in one of our little offline conversations that right in the beginning, you see him driving his car, and there's a photo of his father in the seat of the car, and it starts like floating and spinning. And then he's looking at it, and while he's looking at it, he doesn't see this pig come, come into the road, and that's when he like hits the pig, and that kind of sets the whole ball in motion of him going and taking the pig back and following the woman to her cabin and all this stuff. And I think that is almost 
the equivalent of uh, the blue velvet ear, right? Like we have entered this world when that photo starts spinning. We're not in reality anymore. We're in this fairy tale land. And then you have other things like just the nature of having this man chained up in their, you know, their pig pen area and other farmers and stuff come along and that's totally normal. And there's, they're like, yeah, that's what you have. Uh, and there's a lot of other things that happen in this. I won't mention that are like that as well, where a character all of a sudden starts acting like a, something different. And it's just like, yeah, that's, that's what we're doing now. And you just have to kind of accept these things out of hand. But that being said, a big chunk of, of movie going like standard movie going audience will be looking at this going like, what is going on here? Why am I watching? This is making any sense. What is this dumb? Movie? This is dumb. You know, you hear that kind of comment to this. I can totally see them saying that. So go in with that, I guess, in mind. There is a moment in a car. There is a car sequence in this movie. Oh yeah. And I've seen my share of car sequences. I have never been more terrified of a car sequence than I have with squeal. And there's not, I'm not going to give too much away, but there's not a lot of quick cutting or overblown music or haunting Bernard Herman kind of score. It's just someone in a car and you're thinking you're waiting for some kind of inevitable situation and it is scared the crap out of me. And I think that just goes to the, the just the talent of that filmmaker behind Squeal. I guess Ike Carpathian, very, very good stuff. This Latvian filmmaker, really excited to see his previous works. Eric Holmes. Any final thoughts on Squeal? Uh, yeah, check this out. And um, Firstborn's available. That one's an uh, interesting take on the revenge genre, but it's it's not, but kind of is. Mm-hmm. And then The Man in the Orange orange Jacket. That movie's basically a silent movie. Uh, the, I'm sure someone said like three words in that entire movie. Um, and the this this guy, it, it, Carpathian, this guy's the goods. I think, and uh, I'm looking forward to anything he's got coming out. So you're saying to the listeners, if you enjoyed Squeal, hunt his other two films. Yeah, and I and again, th- this one uh, you might be not be able to watch it right away, but I was able to rent uh, Firstborn and The Man in the Orange Jacket this weekend. Uh, I, I probably on like Amazon or what you can find it online. But dude, check his movies out; they're really good. Very cool. What is your rating on Squeal? Oh, by the way, um, I will leave a link where you can get some of this stuff available. And good, the good news is if you uh, purchase it through our Amazon links, we get a slight commission and I keep all the money. So I'm really excited. And Bruce, Bruce and Eric don't get a dime. Thank you very much. Thank you guys for being so generous. Bruce, did you know that I steal money from you on a, on a daily basis? I know. Okay, you, I know. You know. Thank you very much. Okay, Squeal. Eric, your rating on Squeal? A 6.9. Six easy 6.9 <laughs> easy six in fact in fact with uh with, with his movies i've seen so far he's getting like the matty doe treatment where i don't even think i can start rate his movies anymore because I, I i've seen uh, he's done four of them in a short the the first one he did i wasn't able to find in uh, according to him it's not available but the three of his that are released that i've seen i fucking love all three of them so he's getting the Matty Doe treatment from me where I don't even think I can star rate him anymore. Cause it's just now we're, we're all five stars. It's just a matter of how strong that five star is for me. Latvian filmmakers at the forefront at find your film, Bruce Perky, your rating on squeal. <laughs> I'm uh, four and a half. Let's go four and a half just to be different. 
four and a half stars from Bruce. How dare you? Four uh, and a half stars from four and a half stars. 6.9 and put it to your four and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving this movie five stars. I squealed with delight with squeal. I really <laughs> love everything. And in, in fairness, the four and a half, that's still a huge high yeah. rating. Listeners, Eric, 6.9 stars. That's the highest ever. And that's the highest rating. Bruce gives it four and a half. I give it five. And if you see it and you don't like this movie, we are all sorry. I'm sorry. But it's something that really, I, I really think it's it's, go, it's going to appeal to a lot of people. Yes, Eric. I, I also want to point out with uh, Firstborn and uh, Man with the Orange Jacket. Yes. Let's say you watch Squeal and you don't like it. His uh, The style of his filmmakings with each movie he's done is a lot different than it, his other movies aren't like this. Firstborn's not like Man in the Orange Jacket. Man in the Orange Jacket's not like Squeal and so on and so forth. Like, it looks like he tries a bunch of different things with each movie he makes. So if you don't like this, maybe check the other ones out, and that one might be your speed. But, Are you his press agent? Because you, that is amazing. I, I should be. I, I will be because I fucking love this guy's movies. Okay. Well, that is very, very cool. Okay, so we're done with our featured reviews. Okay, let's get to our recommends. Yeah, quick recommend. Emily the Criminal. Go see it. it it's amazing. And uh, Bruce, is Eric Holmes still uh, – is he still a big fan of Aubrey Plaza? Has he been doing some tweet storms, which he says he's never done regarding <laughs> Emily the yeah, Criminal? Yeah, I was watching her talk about some thirst tweets, and I'm sure that at least a couple of those were Eric. <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah, because I saw a tweet from handsline.com, and I don't know where that came from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But anyway, like something about stepping on him or running him over the car. I don't know. She, you know, she's in yep. for that. Okay, folks. Before we, <laughs> before we're gonna wrap up the show in a second, then eventually we're gonna get to Bobcat very quickly. But before we go, look, what does Peter Beta do every single week? We love Peter Beta. You know what? What does he do every single week? Eric Holmes in music interlude. What does he do? A Peter Beta. He drops a Peter. Who's in the box? Uh, what's in the box? You lie! No! What's in the fucking box? <laughs> All right, guys. We are back with our box movie. Bruce, you uh, you decided you, you've seen so many movies. Oh, and Eric, you saw this too. Yeah. What's the, what? The, okay, so crawl. Crawl. Hear, crawl. Yes, tell us about this. And I crawl. hear, I was looking at Twitter, on the Twitter feeds, and some people say crawl is highly underrated. I don't know if that's true or not. We'll see. With you guys, I think Crawl. Well, Crawl is one of those movies that is, I think got a lot of like cult status. A lot of people I think, grew up with this and had a lot of uh, you know nostalgia for it. And then a lot of people later on found it and kind of was this weird uh, '80s oddity. I think it was '83. This came out, if I remember correctly. I didn't write it down. Uh, directed by Peter Yates. So Peter Yates uh, is probably most well known for Bullet. Uh, he also did Breaking Away, which I absolutely adore. Breaking Away. Yes. Um, this is. A post, how do you describe this? A post Star Wars, kind of like a fantasy, almost like a D&D like movie, but with a whole bunch of Star Wars stuff in it as well. He basically starts starts out with a, a space stump fly, flying down and landing on Earth, and it kind of becomes this evil castle. And there's a princess that gets taken by the evil guys and taken to the castle. And then... Uh, Kroll is the new king because, or not Kroll, what's his name? Colwyn. Colwyn, played by Ken Marshall. He is the new king because his dad is killed as they, they are invaded and the princess is taken. And he basically has to go on a quest to try to find this castle, which the, the, the evil castle has this neat thing where basically it will 
disappear and reappear another place on Earth every day. So they have to find something that basically reappears in a different spot on Earth every day. And he goes on this quest, and he was going to gather a ragtag team along the way and eventually try to get to her and save her from the evil beast. And uh, it... <laughs> Eric, I'm gonna let you chime in in a minute here, but this is uh, some of the special effects are very, very cheesy, but some of the ideas are really, really awesome. And the story has a ton of imagination to it that I was actually surprised by. I think I've seen bits and pieces of this when I was a kid, but I never watched it all the way through. I played the video game for sure a bunch of times, so I kind of knew the beats of this story. Um, but <laughs> there was a video yeah. game called Crawl. Oh, there's a, there was several. But there was an arcade one, a stand-up arcade one. Because they spent a ton of money on this movie. The the production design... Okay, I'll put it this way. The special effects are kind of terrible in a lot of cases. The production design is beautiful. And I guess they used Pinewood Studios in this and made like... They spent so much money on the sets of this movie. They made like 25 sets or something for this movie. It's crazy. All right, I'll let Eric chime in on it. See what he well, thought of it. I, so I do want to defend the special effects a little bit. Um, because the the gold standard is Star Wars, for right? This yeah, yeah. this age and this the special effects, um, but there wasn't uh three hundred different directors cut and uh, special editions of Kroll. The right. Kroll we see is the Kroll that we got back in eighty three. Yep. <laughs> so it's like, of course, it's not going to stand up next to Star Wars because the Star Wars effects. Uh, the reason they hold up today is because they were just done last week in the new special edition that came out. So I, I don't think that that's completely fair, but the, I mean, the, certainly the effects are dated, but they, I'm guessing they were uh, comparable from the time they came out. Um, the, uh, okay. The hero in this air quote hero. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's the worst hero of all time. <laughs> <laughs> wow. The, the, really? the scene where he's like, yeah, let that kid get eaten by the tiger, or let that kid get eaten by the, or beat up or killed by the slayers. I gotta go bang out this one chick that's, uh, <laughs> that, that, uh, Jeepers Creepers is whole Um, that, so this, this movie has like a lot going for it. It's, it's certainly charming. Um, but it's also like the kind of movie that I think that Princess Bride is setting, like sending up. Yes. And, um, but you know, it, it, if you like, uh, Willow, if you like Star Wars, um, Princess Bride, you know, th this isn't a parody like Princess Bride is, but it, it's that kind of movie. And I think people could have some fun with it. Um, you know, it's, it's certainly cheesy. Um, but that, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes this is, uh, this is a cheeseburger you're looking for. That, that's exactly what this is a cheeseburger movie. And if you're looking for, uh, if you're looking for a, a great fantasy movie, maybe watch Star Wars. But if you want to watch another fantasy movie, maybe <laughs> yeah. check out this one. Um, but yeah, th this is kind of like a you know, it's got it's got shades of Dark Crystal, not as good as Dark Crystal. It's got shades of Labyrinth, not quite as good as that. Oh, it's probably on par with Labyrinth, I think. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, th this is a fun movie, and I think people would have fun with it. I can see like a, I can see someone showing their five year old kid that this. And this would be their favorite movie for that week. Okay. Bruce, what is your rating on Crawl? I think, I think I'm going to go three-star banger on this because I think it's, it's kind of, it's so rough around the edges that it's kind of, it has problems, 
but it's a lot of fun. I mean, every little part, every time you start to get a little bit tired of one piece, you'll go to another piece where you get to see a giant spider or you get to see you know, fire horses or something. You know, there's always something fun. The gray the one is their leader. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. <laughs> you know, plus you got a very young Liam Neeson as some bandit dude in here. That's always, that's good. And uh, what's it, Robbie, uh, oh, who else is in there? Someone else is in here that's very famous. Um, Robbie Benson? Ah. No. no. <laughs> Pony Boy. Pony Boy. <laughs> it's not in this. You see, you see Thomas Howell? Was, no. Well, I remember Lisette Anthony. I remember her as a child, as a, as a teenager, liking liking Lisette Anthony a lot. And there's yeah, Ken she's Marshall. the princess in this. Yeah, so Francesca Annis. And uh, so, oh, yeah, a whole bunch of, whole bunch of eventually. Oh, Robbie Coltrane. There you go. Robbie there you Coltrane. go. That's what I was thinking of. All right. What is your rating, Eric, on the on crawl? Yeah, three star banger. Uh, all day, every day. It, it, it's it's yeah, rough around the edges. Um, but it, it's still fun. It, it's someone that's like all the problems this movie has. It's just kind of like I don't fucking care. That's I, I'm still gonna watch the shit out of this. This is totally a, like we talk about three star bangers. One of the best tests of those is this is just on TV and you're doing other stuff. You'll be very happy that it's on TV. That's yeah. this kind of movie. Okay, and so, oh, and the Cyclops. I really like the Cyclops. Cyclops is awesome. <laughs> okay, so that is the box movie that is Crawl, seen by Bruce and Eric. Uh, we're not doing it. What? Oh yeah, what's in, what's next in the box? Yeah, what's in the always? Box, Bruce? I've added a bunch of stuff to it this last week, so who knows what'll be coming out of here? Could be anything. Well, we should have got here. we should have got three new ones in today. I believe. Yes, we we, that, we they uh, you did actually. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't do one of them. One of them I didn't put in there. Oh, Barry oh. Lyndon, how dare you! Oh, this is a very new one. I'm excited. The Steel it? Helmet, Samuel Fuller, from? suggested by Jeremiah Kip. There Jeremiah you go. Kip from Slapface. So that is the Steel Helmet. I'm so excited. Have you ever <laughs> seen a Samuel Fuller film, Eric Holmes? Bruce Burke? Uh, have you seen? No. Killer's Kiss? No, no, no. Okay. I'm sure I've I, seen I, something. I, I may be, but I, I mm-hmm. have to look at his IMDb and see what movies he's okay. in. I've never seen that one that Bruce picked out. Yes, that Christy McNichol film. What what is it called? The White Dog or something like that. That's the, oh, that, White Dog. <laughs> that's the Samuel Phil film. Oh, I'm sure I've seen part of okay. that. Okay, then yeah, I have. Okay, that's that's one of his movies. He also did a movie called The Big Red One, which, by the way, is one okay. of my favorite World War II films. So great, great film. And The Steel Helmet, suggested by Jeremiah Kip. That is going to be. I'm definitely watching that for next week. But before we get to our Bobcat Goldthwait uh, spotlight for this week, and we're going to put that on the hodgepodge. Bruce, what are you? Who's the director you're going to be spotlighting next week when uh, giving us a full week to uh, look at it? So I'm going to make this very easy. We're going to have only have one movie, so we don't have to do two movies, just one movie. Uh, we're going to do Larissa Shapitko, and we're going to do the movie The Ascent. Okay, The Ascent for next week, and I don't even know Larissa Larissa Shapitko or Shapitko or so that'll yes. be interesting. Where's this, where's this playing on? Uh, you can find it a lot of places. Um, I know that there's at least a really good copy on YouTube because it's a Russian movie, and a lot of those Russian movies are now like available on there. Is this like a 17 hour movie? <clears throat> nope. Oh, it's okay. about. I want to say it's under two hours or right about two hours. Right. It's uh, late 70s. She died very young. She only got to make three or four movies in under communist Russia, and she was married to the guy that made Come and See. Okay. Sounds okay. interesting. I, I need to watch that one. That's the 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 one they talked on uh, the Force Five podcast no, with the class film. It was like top five war movies. Oh, really? Oh, cool. I, I yeah. think that's I think that's what that that's the first time I heard of it. Um, and then Bruce, I think you were, this you were talking that up pretty good too. Yeah. Um. Yes. 
that come and see and this are a great pair because you think about um, husband and wife both made two incredibly great World War II movies. This movie to me is like close to or on par with Paths of Glory. Oh, oh so interesting. Okay, so oh. that is the ascent. We will be covering it I'm next rub it week. All here. over my chest. <laughs> we'll be covering it this week, next week on Find Your Film, and that is the movie, The Ascent. Uh, check out our our hodgepod on Bobcat Goldthwait coming up pretty soon. But until then, Air Combs, if any final thoughts? Oh uh, yeah, check out the the interview. And oh, uh, one last thing. Um, not a big deal. Uh, but I almost forgot to mention this. I got an email from uh, Teespring, which is where we go. Uh, we do our merch through. Which yeah. by the way, go to findyourfilmpodcast.com and pick up some merch. Um. But they had a, uh, for anyone, anyone that's listening that did the Teespring thing, I guess I got an email that said they're having issues on payouts, uh, which doesn't affect us really because we haven't sold that much stuff. So if you want to go there, maybe change that for us. Um, but it seems like they're getting that fixed. But I, I just, you know, we, we talked about it and how, how great they are. So I figure since there's uh, something going on, you know, it's probably fair that we even mentioned that. Um, oh, but I it's being it's, de- but it's being dealt with. But you know, it's just one of those things. Like, uh, just you know, in the uh the interest of being honest about things like that, we should probably mention that. Um, yeah, as long as we're as long as they're getting the merch, and it's just a payout, yeah, right? The payouts. Yeah. So, I mean, the, so it, if you're buying merch from us, it's not going to affect you. Well, what's going to happen is you're going to buy merch, and then it'll be a while before we get paid, which. You know, isn't is kind of pennies anyway, so it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, no problem. But no big, big if you're doing like I know a middle class film class and walk the cinema, they started it uh after we did. So for them, you know, they're gonna, you know, if you buy their merch, they're gonna get paid uh a lot later. And I just feel kind of bad for like, you know, talk you know, talking yeah. it up and then that happens. But I it sounds like it's something they're dealing with. So it it'll be fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. And done. besides, I steal all that money from you guys anyway. So yeah, you don't have exactly. to worry about it. Exactly. So it's it's <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm I'm Greg Rizvasti the absconder. I'm that's why they call me Greg Slick. Bruce, you didn't know that because I'm a <laughs> I'm a thief. Bruce Perky, final thoughts before we we get out of here. Uh, I would just say, don't forget, uh, just about every day I post uh, the Find Your Frame game. I think currently, I want to say Ken Cunningham is winning it. And also, I think William Lindis and Mitch Burns might be on the heels. So uh, check that out. And I don't always do just one a day. So sometimes it'll be two a day. So you never know. Okay, that is very cool. Find Your Frame on our Cinematics Facebook group. Please join us and just check out some really great daily movie recommendations and then you can play along with Bruce Perky's Find Your Frame game. And Bruce Bruce has had his share of disciples picking up the Find Your Frame thing. It's just not Bruce. He's like, it's like B for Bendetta. B for Bendetta because there's a whole bunch of Perky's going around with Find Your Frame games. <laughs> okay, B for Bendetta. B for Benedetta. That's it. B for Benedetta. Yeah, there's Ken, I, who, I think almost all of the group the group members, Andrew Martin, Ken Cunningham, I, people put up all these frames all the time. There's If you want your frames, go to our Cinematic Facebook group. We'll see you guys next week with The Ascent and a bunch of other films. Take care, guys. Bye.